Your style is unorthodox. But effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Black 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 Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Hi, this is Regine Al Sawyer, owner, writer, creator of Lock It Down Productions, and the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. You are now listening to Black Comics Chat. Check, check. One, two, one, two. Hey, hey, what is going on, world? What's going on, internet? This is Marcus Kwame, a.k.a. Dr. Winston Zeddemore. You know, because... Winston should have been a doctor and a scientist, but, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, we're here with Black Comics Chat, and we have a very, very uh, special guest. I would say, uh, you know, Black Black Comics Chat royalty, uh, who's definitely been, been on the show multiple times to discuss uh, very important work. But, you know, before we, we properly introduce our, our guests and their exciting Kickstarter, we're going to talk about the Black Comics Chat crew, just introduce everybody um, first up, we got the undercover Sith Lord. We got Yoda's Poppy. We got uh, the 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 Red Lion of the crew. We got Tony Snark in the house. What up? What's going on? <sighs> it's been a long week, man. It's been a long year, and it's only what the beginning of March. Yeah, man. Yo, <laughs> I got here like I feel like I'm surviving. You know, like. World uh, missing comets and uh, zombie viruses. Yeah, I'm 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 st- I'm still here though. I'm still here. Mm. for real, man. No, I, I I definitely feel you on that one. I felt like it was a long week on Monday, you know. So <laughs> yeah, you. exactly. Yeah, man. And so, yo, next up we've got the uh, you know my partner in crime, brother from another mother, comic creator, partner. Uh, and the uh, one of the many writers in the forthcoming Manana anthology, we got Leo in the house. Yo, what's up, Black Comic Chat audience? I am super excited about our guest. I'm super excited about not getting COVID. Hashtag no COVID. Um, <laughs> up in Los Angeles, trying to get the damn thing done. Uh, what's cracking? And as I mentioned up front, we got you know one one of the uh, our. <clears throat> All-time favorite guests, uh, creator of Women in Comics, talented comic book writer and creator in her own right, and uh, currently, you know, the person who is running the Kickstarter for Exmoor Reborn, um, you know, supporting uh, the work of the late, great Robert Garrett. We got uh, Regine L. Sawyer in the house. So, Regine. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me on. Of course. It's a pleasure. Yo, yo, real, real quick, I want to call out something that, like, I just, I love this. And you want to know something? A lot of our guests have this distinction as well. I want to note that the, Regine, in her Kickstarter profile, 
This is her first creative Kickstarter on her profile, but she has 29 backed because she supports the culture. And yo, y'all that put up these Kickstarters with zero backed, we all see you. We all see you. Tell me different. Tell me different. Tell me different. We all see that zero backed. We all see that shit. You know, we we did met ether ether has been mentioned in the intro in our uh, green room discussion, and I see Leo's I, I, bringing I specifically the ether into... remember saying we're not going to call anybody out, right? And Leo's like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm a, little, I'm a little pussycat. I'm chilling. I'm just I'm just here licking my fur. Okay. Regine got, yeah, Regine well, got that back. That, but you want to know, so like, that's Regine, though. That's Regine. Right. Of course, Regine. We're going to keep that definitely on the positive, too. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. Regine, that. And, but you know what? I mean, going back to all our previous discussions, I mean, women in comics, like, you know, that's what you do. You support and, um, and show love, which is why everyone listening within the sound of our voice, the range of our voices, uh, we urge you right now, as you listen, to go and check out the campaign and decide which pledge is right for you. Because, um, you know, Regine gives back, and I think that uh, we should do the same. Yep. You know? Yep. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, everyone who's listening is familiar with your origin story. Um, if Just give a, a super concise version for anyone who happened to just stumble in to the world of Black comics. Okay. Well, I've been publishing books for, I think this year is my 14th year. Um, my company is Lock It Down Productions. Um, I produce science fiction, horror, action comics. My main titles are The Rippers, Ice Witch, and Eating Vampires. I also do freelance work. I just did a, um, a short story for the Dead Beats Anthology um, published by Wave Blue World. Mm -hmm. um, I just did an essay for Mar uh, Marvel's Voices, number one. That was, um, that was big shit. Yeah, it was. It was. It yep. was really cool. And um, I'm also the coordinator and founder of the Women in Comics Collective International. We host events around the country, including our own conference. But we also do panel discussions, workshops, um, art shows, the whole gamut. Um, our membership is about 150 plus people. Um, we have women, non-binary people, men. We're very much inclusive, but we definitely, when we started, we were about pushing women of color forward. So that's me. <laughs> cool, cool, definitely. And um, I guess, you know, since we're here to talk about Exmoor Reborn, um, let's talk a little bit about, about Robert Garrett, you know, for anyone who isn't familiar with Robert's work. Um, Robert was a tremendous writer and publisher. His company was Exmoor Studios. Um, I think he established his company back in the early 2000s. And he just had a, a full wealth of work. Um, for the Kickstarter, Galto was his first series. It definitely was his baby. But he had other works such as Ajala, 12 Trials, Inheritors, The Masquerader. Um, I feel like I'm like missing like 20 of them, Hero Born. <laughs> he just had a full library. He was always creating. He was always um, he was always on that comic book hustle, that grind. And he represented black the black comics black comic book community to the fullest. Um, usually any any black comic book show he would be in, he would also be at major shows, New York Comic Con, for example. And whenever I would see him, he would be creating. 
he'd be writing. Like, honestly, literally, he was writing up until the point where he passed away. Like, he was so sick, but he was still creating. He was still making. I mean, it's what, it's what he lived and breathed. And uh, we definitely, uh, we definitely felt his loss as a as a community. Yeah, yeah, we were we were fortunate enough to speak to him, you know, um, not too long, you know, before he passed. I yeah. think, but it was uh, when the most recent Ajala Kickstarter was happening. So, but yeah, like he was a super gracious dude, and um, I think you know, in in the time we've been doing this show, those interviews with people who have just been doing it because you know it's, it's one thing i think in this uh internet era where we have maybe more outlets and resources you know to do this work but i'm always i, I just have uh, so much respect for like people who are you know putting out black comics when there were less avenues to do it you know what i mean and and, and mm-hmm. you know more obstacles and you know, I just remember him being like super gracious and um, you know, and a lot of wisdom. You know, and, and yeah, that 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 fire and dedication to to comic creation, which is a, one of the more brutal professions, uh, you know, that a person could do. But you know, so yeah, oh, definitely yeah. Re- respect. <laughs> yeah, like I I feel like I feel I'm a little concerned about diverting this uh, this interview with Regine into like. A sort of interview with Robert, yeah, <laughs> with yeah. what Regine knows of Robert, but um, I guess like for the for the specific Kickstarter, um, the Kickstarter is the focus of the Kickstarter is on Galto. Um, so would you mind like sort of introducing any listeners here, Regine, to like what what Galto is all about, like what the whole what what his what Robert's baby was all about? Oh, absolutely. So uh, Galto takes place in an alternate timeline. Um, in the United States, where there's no U.S. government, um, New York City has been broken up and is ruled by uh, five different clan houses, which is the samurai, ninja, yakuza. Um, can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Um, right, the rhino, rhinos, <laughs> the rhino sumos. Rhino sumos. We also just call them rhinos. Uh, mm-hmm. And the days. And these different clan houses, they they battle each other. But the battles have to be officiated and they have to be sanctioned. And these battles are called Galtos. And there's a section of monks that they catalog all of these battles, like from, from the failures to the achievements to whatever. So that's roughly what Galto is about. And there is a character that's sort of... Um, um, what Rob, who Robert called like the Clint Eastwood character that come and just you know mess everything up, and that's Jaya. She is a silent warrior. She's the character that everyone sees with the big sombrero hat and and the cybernetic arm and her sword. Like she doesn't talk. She just cuts you like you're dead. That's it. Um, <laughs> so that's basically what Galto is about. Yeah, it feels like it, it's like. It feels like a sort of melange of, you know, uh, like like Burning Bronx, like New York shit, uh, along with like, you know, samurai movies, along with like, you know, maybe a little a little kind of like wild, like like Escape from New York, John Carpenter shit. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like a mix of all like the Warriors, you know, it's like a mix of like all these sort of different different sort of uh, energies. It different pays 
definitely pays homage to that. I mean, you know, Robert was definitely a quintessential 80s, 70s kid from New York City where he was going down 42nd Street to watch the Kung Fu movies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while also just, like, loving loving um, Philip K. Dick, you know. Mm-hmm. He, loved, he loved meshing things together. So to have Kung Fu and, and uh, um, genetic splicing and cybernetic body parts like that's <laughs> that's like your quintessential Robert Garrett book. <laughs> it is. I mean, he just he loved to just combine things, combine concepts. Dope. Um, on the so for the Kickstarter, which you know, if everyone goes to the page right now, um, not only <clears throat> are you you collecting you know Galto, but like there's some you know big comic names, some of our, our favorites uh, from Black Comics Chat who. Are working on the variant covers. Um, Want to, you know, give a shout out to some of those people? Absolutely, um, Aletha E. Martinez, uh, Chuck Collins, Walt Barna, Julie Anderson. Um, totally amazing artists. All all who have like different artistic styles, but still fit with what Galto is. Um, Chuck himself, um, of course, big out. Shout out to Chuck. Um, has already like done like Galto artwork in the past. So I had posted some of that so people can see an example of what he'll possibly be bringing to the table. Um, so I'm really excited uh, to have them. And um, we also have a few guest artists that are going to be just contributing, um, like pinup work, to the books, um, as well as as well as prints. Um, I think I also have a few like canvas prints that will be available with some of the rewards. Uh, I think N. N- Stephen Harris has a piece. Um, uh, Robert's business partner, Eric Nochella Diaz, and we'll get into his work in a minute because he's also doing some other things with the rewards. He's going to have a set of artwork that's going to go along with some of the rewards. So we're working with some really fabulous people. I, I feel like I, I the times that I saw Robert Garrett at a show, I did not. I usually did not see him far from N. Steven. <laughs> like they, True. yeah, they're 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 typically thick as thieves. Um, it's uh, we've also had a bunch of these people on the show. We should. Yeah. There's some of these people we haven't had on the show. Maybe we should have on the show. We definitely should. Yeah, oh, definitely. definitely should. Yeah, yeah. I think we were supposed to have Alethea Martinez at one point, but there was scheduling stuff going on. Yeah, she's, she's always super busy. Oh my yeah, god, she's but the hardest working woman her. in comics. <laughs> yeah, I mean we definitely understand. And people, yeah. don't, I always tell people you don't know how hard she works. I mean, for her to fit me in, but I'm special. I'm mm-hmm. special, so I know <laughs> she'll fit me in for whatever. I'm like Lisa, please. She's like, okay, you know, <laughs> like she'll, like she'll 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 do it. But she's the busiest. She is the busiest woman in comics, possibly the busiest person busiest artists in mm. comics. Mm. If she can make time, she always will. I'm also um, looking at the Kickstarter fascinated by the number of pledges, and I think that the number of pledges <clears throat> all mean something. Can you talk about um, the pledges? And I know there's a lot. You don't have to go through all of them. <laughs> but is, there, is there like a particular one where you can say, you know what, this is the best bang for your buck? This is what you oh, get. like the tears? Yeah, the tears. Sorry. Okay, okay. Because um, okay, for me... <laughs> Yeah, I want to be able to say, okay, I'm going to pledge this amount, but what am I going to get? So can you explain some of these tiers for me? Okay, so I'm actually going to look on it with you because some of them I just did not like remember off the top of my head. Um, I think 
the biggest bang for your buck. And when I was doing this, I was thinking about myself. Like when I, when I back a Kickstarter, what am I usually looking for? And I usually always try to do like a, the $25 range. So I have, I think I have two $25 um, uh, rewards and to be able to get a hard copy of the book is always the most important. I know that's what I always want. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do one where it's like, okay, you get the hard copy of the book and yeah, you get a couple of other things like, uh, your name on the shout out page. Um, but I also wanted to do something where it wouldn't, someone wouldn't have to deal with shipping and handling. You can just come and pick up your book at a show where I am. So I made a pledge where you can just, you can just, um, Back the Kickstarter by getting the book, also um, getting your name on the shout out page and such. But you can also just, you know, basically tap me and be like, Regine, you're going to be at New York Comic Con. I want my book. I'm like, hey, I got you. I got you. Um, so for me, I think that's the most, um, so far, it's one of the most popular. That well, sounds uh, like me. I feel like I see you pretty much <laughs> at Wink and at New York Comic Con. So yeah. I, think I'm a, I think I am going to go with this one. All right. Uh, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, at least, you know, you know, you're definitely going to get the book. You don't have to worry. It's like, oh, estimated arrival. When? Right, right, right. <laughs> you can hold me accountable. Like, look, you said I can get it at a show. <laughs> you know, where are you? And, you know, I'm like, I'm here with it. <laughs> yeah. Imagine me doing that, rolling up on your table. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. I, don't do that. <laughs> I wouldn't suggest it for anybody to do that. But <laughs> in this case. In this case, no, you have a right to hold me accountable because I said you could pick up a book at a show where I am. So I I think that's a really good one. Um, I also think the $30 French is a good one where where you get a variant cover of, of our choosing, which would be either Chuck, mm-hmm. would be Alita's, or it would be Julie's or Walt's. I think that's also... That's is, also is, Chuck's, is Chuck's the image that's at, that's at the top of the campaign page or is it a different image? Is, yeah, is that the cover? That's the cover. Yeah, I have his name there and his Twitter handle. Okay, okay, okay. I wasn't sure if that, but I wasn't sure if that was just a uh, a thing he did for the book, or if that was actually the cover. No, that's not actually the cover. Oh, it's not. He, he didn't. There was a. There was. There was a sort of like a Galto esque art show, um, many years back. Many years back here, here in New York, and Chuck was one of the artists, so was Gray Williamson. They did this beautiful beautiful artwork of Hello, Gray. Oh yeah, Gray Williamson, he's an amazing artist. He they sort of just did sort of a collaboration of their own characters from their separate companies. So uh, Gray had his characters and they had uh, Robert's characters and I think they also had um Chucks from another book that he has. So they they did this beautiful art show and this artwork is from that art show. Got it. I did. I had to do the shipping just because I'm on left coast and like I don't know yeah, when the regime is gonna gonna come through here. I don't know. I think you, do, you should do the thirty dollar one. Definitely. Uh, yeah, no, I did. I did the. I did the twenty five with the shipping just because like I. I would like. I would like Regine to come. When you come out to the West Coast, Regine. Well, I am. I mean, I'm coming from San Diego Comic Con. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's up to you. It's up to you. But I am coming out. You better just remind me. Okay. All right. All right. We're all right. friends, so you'll have to post me like <laughs> my butt. Okay. Straight up. Straight up. All right. All right. All right. All right. We'll see about that. Um. Right. So. Uh, so. 
but but again, so the 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 Kickstarter itself though is sort of like like to me it looks like an opportunity to sort of reinfuse some attention and like you know like like do eyes on on Robert's work. Um and it's something that like you sort of just took on to 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 carry on this legacy and you're carrying it on with his daughter, correct? Yes. So 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 tell tell if you don't mind tell us a little bit about about Nia's involvement and like and like how Exmoor is like moving forward uh with Robert's passing. Well, um Nia is, is an amazing young woman and she 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 and her father were best friends. I mean, she was very much aware of how much he he loved comics and the comic book industry. So when he passed away, uh, it it I mean it it really was like a no brainer for both of us. And we talked about it because we are close. She's like my sister, and I just said whatever you want to do. And she's like, well, Gene, you know what we're gonna do. <laughs> You know, like she like he'll kill us. Like we have to, we like we we like we have to uh, <laughs> have X more continue. And she she was we were picking each other's brain, and and we just said, you know what, we we're gonna take some time because I, I mean at this point it's March right now. It hasn't even been a year since he's passed. Mm, right. So we we I mean there were certain things that we wanted to do like straight out the gate but we we said let let's take a time to mourn you know and we're still mourning you mm-hmm. know the process never the process changes but it never it's, it never stops you know you're always grieving in one way shape or another but we said you know what by the time the new year comes we'll be able to just hit the ground running so that's what we decided to do and uh, we, we, we snatched up his, his business partner, Eric Nochella Diaz, to help us. We're like, you're ours. You're ours. And you were like, you were, he was a part of Exmoor for a long time. So we just decided, like, this is something that we're definitely going to do. And Galto will be the first project because, number one, it's his first baby. And it just seemed the most logical thing to do because um, it was, like, the last project he was working on before he passed. So we just said, like, well, why don't we start with that and we'll see how it goes. But in general, we just wanted to reprint all of his books so that they'd be back on the shelves, back in the public's hands. And we just did not want his memory or his legacy and his books to go to the wayside. Um, Because the work is just so, it's so important. It's beautiful. I think people, more people will enjoy it, you know, outside of his own fan base. Mm -hmm. So it was just time. It was just time to so just get ourselves together and say, "Hey, let's 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 do this." So, here we are. You know, I keep saying, "Wow!" Because I'm really sort of digging into, you know, the, the this Kickstarter. Um, it's a very interesting project. I just uh, up my pledge. I had been a PDF, but I, I need that hard copy. Okay. Yeah, All I'm right. going. I'm going hard copy. Yeah, we broke we broke 2K on the Kickstarter, um, but it's 2K. It, but the 2K is like a, a relatively small fraction of the total goal, um, and this is definitely something that I think like needs to make a splash. And like I like I I know that there's like all this like excited energy on like the ends of Kickstarters, you know, like <laughs> the last couple of days and everybody's going crazy <laughs> and whatever, but. Like we definitely need to like get some traction on this particular campaign, and I'm hoping that the Black Comic Shed audience can can throw in and like, 
you know, help support the sort of proliferation of the books of of a creator who who, who passed before their time and who fortunately has people, uh, you know, supporting his vision and and wanting to to, to keep it pushing forward. Now, I I, I don't want to like. I, the, for lack of a better phrasing, like put put the cart before the horse, but um, is are there thoughts to sort of to, you know take X more into the future, like to like to to work with these characters to do something with these stories, um, you know, moving forward? Has has that been discussed? Is that is that part of the is that part of the the perception right now? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, what's happening is that. Naya is the the president and CEO of Exmoor Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, Lock It Down Productions currently will be their publisher until she doesn't want me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, until you know, until she wants to do whatever. You know, I'm here. Um, so, with that said, new work will come out, Lord willing, by next year. There was there was work that Robert was currently like he was working on. Right before he passed, so you know some things that are almost mm. done, or or might need some tweaks or what have you. There's some books that may need to be finished, and so forth. So that's happening. That's happening. So the books will continue, in one way, shape, or form or another. You know, we'll we'll probably be hiring new artists. You know, also artists that Robert had worked with, um, writers that Robert loves. People who who he who he really like adored their work like that's that's definitely happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's like so I mean like again not to put too fine a point on it like I think this Kickstarter is bigger than a trade paperback. Yes, right. it is. It is. It's going. The plan has was for there to be like a series of Kickstarters, so we would reprint this series, add some extras to it, update the credit page and so forth, um, and um, get it get it shipped out. I mean, though, that was the main thing. Let's get this sucker reprinted, and let's get it going. Right. And so the plan was to do that with uh, the subsequent books as well. Are Tony, you guys all into the Kickstarter? <laughs> yeah, we're all, like, reading it. I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, wow. I'm waiting for Tony to say wow again. Yeah, no, I just... Because it does give this feel of when I look at this of definitely of like a enter the the return of the dragon or something to mm. that effect. Um, I definitely feel the the roots of the the eighties <laughs> the eighties kung fu. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah. I was really into that, you know. And to sort of incorporate that with you know the backdrop of New York City is fantastic. Um, and and I guess going to, to my question is um, how many issues does the the trade paperback have? It's the first four issues. The first four issues. The first story arc, yes. The first story arc. Do you, how how large was his collection? Um, for in terms of issues. In terms of Gauto, like how many issues does he have all together? Has he come all up? together? All together was four, and he was working on the fifth. Oh, he was working on the fifth. Okay. He was working on the fifth. Yeah. And so uh, I, I suppose you're, you're stepping in to help do the fifth one and maybe more, maybe more. Is that what I'm hearing? I might. Okay. I might. Okay. We'll see. I mean, I, yes. <laughs> okay. One way or another, it's definitely going to be done. 
but definitely, I mean, I think that as the the most important thing for for more Galto to happen is right. for people to support right now. Right. That means you, Black Hamashek. Yes, <laughs> yes. That means people to throw their dollars behind this. I was actually like, I was sort of gonna. When was when was the first? When did the first Galto drop? I was gonna ask that. Yeah. Oh my God! The first Galto dropped, I believe, and it was before I met Robert. I believe it dropped in either 2006 or 2005. Okay. Um, and then he was work, and the way Robert worked, he was working on like several properties at once. Right. And right. I mean, this is another story for another day. I mean, there was a point where there was a, a possible, not a possibility, but there was a there was a production company, um, a production company that, that they have money, and they were going to, um do some type of Galto movie mm. series, but they mm. sat on it for a long time. They sat on their hands. They sat on it for a long time. Um, they were considering reprinting the books at one point, but then they just sat on it. So Robert was not able to do like more work on it. So he started concentrating on other projects. Right. 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 He was so sort of trapped with that agreement. Like yeah. so he couldn't, you're right, right. Yeah, but there was a time limit on it. With a time limit on it, and the time limit ended uh, last year, I think April. Oh, yes, that recent. Yes, last year, April. Yeah, yeah, he had to sit on it for several years. He had to sit on it for several years. So, so once that time that time eroded, he was like, "I'm, I'm he's like, well, I'm, I got my baby back, so I'm gonna start, <laughs> I'm gonna start working on it again." And like it's like we know like he you know he passed away about a month later. Oh wow! So okay. I so yeah so that's why I was just like we doing this we taking Galto to the stratosphere like <laughs> we're doing this. Absolutely. Was uh, Robert a big fan of Street Fighter? What's his? I don't know. I feel like yeah, I see this. Right. And I'm like I see some Street Fighter vibes. Yeah, I do too. I, I was I used to play it competitively, so that's ironic. <laughs> competitively? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, like, how, how yeah, I, I have a I have a whole I have a whole history. You know me. I'm a jack of all trades and a master what? of all. You know. Who, who, yeah, who, I wait, 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 wait. Who's your character? Who's your Who's your character? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's well, your favorite character? Chun Li. Chun Li, of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, when Helicopter we got, little, we had our little, we had our little like Super Nintendo, and I saw Chun Li, and I just fell in love. Yep. You know, with my my mm. little, I guess, twelve year old, eleven year old self, and my brother started taking me to like arcades, and I would fight grown men. <laughs> he took, oh, I would you go down to his ringer. job. You were probably a ringer. Oh, I get it. Okay. <laughs> I can't okay. believe I can't believe this has never come up before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to I used to be um, like a, a, a Donkey Kong Country champ too when, when Blockbuster used to have the, <laughs> the contest. Yes, I have a little card. I have a little card. It's like you are the champ or something. Ooh. Like yeah, I got stories. Yeah, I got stories. <laughs> I've lived too many lives, guys. I've lived too many lives. That's what I'm talking about, though. I mean, we've spoken so many times, but there's always there's always fresh material. Yeah, yeah. no, that yeah, that's something that didn't, that was like the same thing. You know, you, you know. Um, 
uh, friend of the show, Foxy Jazabel, uh, she yes. was like hardcore into like the fighting game community. I knew that. Yes. And I know she still got it. She still got it, but she doesn't really get down like that. Like it's like it's like some shit like where like, you know, the the kung fu masters like they're like, I don't fight anymore. I don't I don't compete. <laughs> like I made you know, I made my moves and like, you know, now I'm sort of like done. Like that's kinda like her approach, but she still got it. She still got she yeah. still got 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 them sticks, but um that's a, okay all right that's uh that's interesting like uh, i mean i want to say like the thing i asked was like a sort of uh approaching a leading question only because <laughs> i was trying to think like do galto inspire something that's maybe come out in the past decade that that kind of like you know it hasn't had like its due reference to it like the the first thing that comes to mind which i know i'm like i has a lot of inspirations is um you know what i'm talking about <clears throat> the the you know the Netflix jump off the um, post apocalypse oh, no the post apocalypse what is it what assassins no the post apocalyptic shit with the different <laughs> with the different families and they like grow crops oh my god what? I don't know <laughs> what you're watching dog I have no idea what you're watching well, no, that sounds what you're describing you... it sounds like that um. Are you talking about Into the Badlands? Yes, thank you. Into the Badlands. I mean, I'll be very honest. I mean, me and Robert would talk about this. There are, really? there are a couple of different shows that kind of kind of bit. And I think mm. and I, in, a, in a time in which, like I said, like his like his, this property he had to sit on for a long time. So oh, it, was, wow. it was making the moves around mm. different circles. Right. Like it wasn't like they could claim they hadn't ever... Yeah. So, so I mean, there, there. I mean, and this particular company wasn't the only one that had like shown interest in. Well, this will. This company actually did. You know, Robert signed a contract and everything. But there were other larger companies that were like, "Oh, we want this." Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a little a bit of, of that bit, in there. A lot of people bit. Yeah. A lot of people did bite. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's sort of it like. I feel like Into the Badlands bit a lot of things, though. Like not just one, not just yeah. one central central concept. Yeah. But I can definitely see some of that there, especially with the stylization and the and the sort of like back references to the classic, like you know, kung fu, like samurai Chanbara movies. Because yeah. um, yeah. we, I mean, I mean, if if if, if people know us, we also were we're also we're also friends of like the martial arts community. Mm-hmm. So we do shows with like martial artists and there's a show here called the urban action expo. And, um, uh, you know, so folks in that community know us and they're familiar, definitely familiar with this book. So we would meet like talk to stop men and movie directors and actors all the time. So it, it was out there. Right. <laughs> it was definitely out there. Right. Regine, you do so many. Th- when, when is the memoir coming out? Your memoir. Anybody watching a memoir, they're going to see their name in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might want to wait a little while. They're not going to like it. Let, let, some, let some time pass, I suppose. No, I mean, uh, I don't know. I think about that from time to time, and I'm just like, I don't the memoir? see anything. I was like, I don't see anything in print. Like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> like, I really so, like, seriously. But I want your memoir to start with you in, like, playing video games. That that would be fun. That would taking be people's fun. quarters, like get give me that, get out. Did you all right? So when when y'all pick up, yeah. When y'all when y'all were hitting up arcades when you were a kid, like when Street Fighter came out and it was like this whole big shit, like 
And I'm not I'm not trying to like throw shade in any way, but like, were there women at your arcade? Because I do not remember any girls at the arcade when like the Street nope. Fighter machine was rocking or Mortal Kombat came out or any. I don't remember girls there. Nope. I would, it would have been cool if they were there, but they were not there yeah. for me. We were in our houses. Like I was like I was initially playing Street Fighter in my house, and I mean at that time I think I've I've talked about this. Well, maybe not in this regard on this show, but maybe in other instances where it's just like you know you're not really thinking about you you know that you're a girl or whatever until someone brings it up. Right. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I was playing the game, I mean it was you know I was happy it was cool. And one brother would take me down to my to his job, and I'd play all his his friends and stuff. Like, I'm like, yeah, there was a bunch of guys there, but, you know, they were, I kind of giggled because they were grown men, but it was never like, oh, like this little girl, blah, blah, blah. You know, I never, I never felt that way, probably because I just wasn't, it wasn't in my mind. And then we would go down to the arcade. No one just said, no, maybe because my brother was with me, no one said, hey, you know, you little bitch, you know, <laughs> like no one. <laughs> I think I would have, I think I would have flipped my little wig, but. <laughs> But I would just play. Even when I got older um, and I got, like, an Xbox and stuff and, like, the new Street Fighter games are coming out, I would still go down to, like, GameStop and, like, and play games and stuff. And nobody bothered me. No one bothered me. Um, I mean, we could talk about comics where people started to bother me. But But even even then, even still, but, I mean... I think that a lot of us, a lot of us ladies were probably at home just, you know, beating our brothers. Yeah. You know, that... Our family members and just, it was just like, it was, it's safe. It's safe yeah. in your house. It's not necessarily safe out there. Which is a real, another, you know, indictment on, I don't know. The, to- the toxic community? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Hmm. And I guess yeah. that's even connected to the, with comics, right? Like they talk about, um, you know, how, how women definitely account for a large percent of digital sales like right you know, I think even a majority of one because time. they don't have to like actually like penetrate yeah, the comic deal shop with comic, yeah. yeah you know it's interesting though like i remember i so i had this like whole concept for like this whole this is a long i'm i'm I'm, I'm going to ignore it, but I had this whole concept for like a long series about about the presence of controllable uh player like characters of color in video games and like there are two like main you know sort of uh, beacons for that, and one of those is sports games. Sports games introduce like a lot of people of color, not necessarily women of color in most sports. You can like you know play a woman in like the NBA 2K or whatever, but they the fighting fighting games had women of color pretty early on. There was always like yeah. w- you can call it token or not, but they were there where they weren't in a ton of other games, and so. That was sort of like an interesting idea about these these arcade fighters that were usually, in my experience at least, um, mobbed by a bunch of like sweaty male nerds. Um, they were literally like playing games with women of color in them, which I thought was sort of interesting. And I, and I do think it's sort of interesting. I don't remember a ton of a ton of actually like, you know, uh, I don't I don't remember like like girls being present at the at the arcades when the when the new when the new shit shit came out and it makes so much sense that like i don't know maybe the notion that 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 whether that was a safe space or not was a concern and so playing at home like would have been fine also for what it's worth i'm sure that like guys would have probably felt less embarrassed getting beaten by a girl in like a living room playing super nintendo (laughs) than than at the arcade like getting their whole ass shown out 
Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, that's totally true. I mean, but again, I mean, when I would go out in public, I didn't think, I didn't think much of it. But again, like my brother was with me. My brother was, it was sort of like, it was protecting me and keeping me safe. So I, I, I wasn't in that mindset. He probably was. I'll have to ask him. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm but, sure. But, I mean, I'll tell a quick story. There was one thing that happened that was weird. I'll tell it really quick. And it was um, the I was playing Donkey Kong Country. I was doing I was doing um, the blockbuster competition, and I'm in the blockbuster, and I'm playing this game. And my competitor, he had gone before me, and he stayed to watch me. So as I'm playing, I'm playing with a controller. I'm playing, and I'm playing this game. I'm beating this score. He had his little sister jump in front of the TV while I'm playing because he jumped over the the controller wire to go to the bathroom. And I didn't miss a beat. (laughs) I didn't miss a beat. And afterwards, my brother was like, Jeannie, if if that girl would have messed up your game, I was going to have them restart it. I can't believe it. I'm like, Mm. no, no. It didn't happen. Like Diango, it didn't happen. No, that's that's <laughs> like um, that's like uh, I don't know, like like this is like the, at the main the, event. This is like yeah, that's, that's like the saying, '80s yeah. movie, uh, you know, <laughs> final act where you know it's it's all on the line and everything, and then you know it's like yo, little sister, go jump in front of the game, and you you still stick it. You know? Basically, I think I would have snatched it if that would have happened, but it didn't. So. <laughs> But it didn't. I didn't miss the beat because it was about the game. It was about Donkey Kong. It was about Diddy. That's what it was about. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, as usual, you kept it professional, and there you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, wasn't even there. Yo, gaming competition back in the day, got, it was so intense. I remember in college, uh, we were playing like like Sega Genesis NBA Live, and we would have like we have the championship game, and my friend Ed like. I was in the middle of a, of an incredible comeback in the in the final game, and he he got mad at a when I when I hit a hit a jump shot, and he kicked the Genesis. He claims it was by it was by accident, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, and of course it restarted. And he was like, "Well, I was still up. I was still up, so I won the championship." Yo, to this day, that's still a bone of contention with us, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God, that is hysterical! Right, it's like your, it's like your own like Seinfeld marathon episode. That's yeah, right, yeah, like yeah, the race like... or the race, the race episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you should play him again and then see what happens. And then if he if he still involuntarily kicks, no, the, because the... that's the nature of competition. It doesn't matter because yeah. if he plays him again and he wins or or Ed wins, that doesn't affect what happened back in the day. That's 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 the. <laughs> That's the rub of that old shit. Like, well, yeah. I mean, when when NBA Live went to PlayStation, I I beat him with a, I sc- I scored uh, eighty points with Shaquille O'Neal, oh uh, <laughs> one game, so I, I destroyed him. So I got I got my revenge, you know. Yo, NBA Live was terrible though, man. I mean, my friend used to play with Danny Ainge, and he would be he would average like fifty points. Like when Ainge and Barkley were on the Phoenix Suns, yeah, and yeah. Couldn't miss. I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> oh man. I. Yeah, that was a joint. <laughs> do you do you remember back in the day, like the NBA Jam arcade game, where like the Rockets had like the best stats, even though it didn't oh, look yeah. like they did. Like, but the programmers like loved the Rockets so much that they made the Rockets have the best stats, even though it was invisible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that's really. What did they have? They had Hakeem and. Uh... 
Look at look at Leo getting into the sports. That, I played jam. I did play jam. All right, I played jam in the arcade, and I was dece. I was dece, and I played a little street. I played a little NBA street. Oh, oh street was good. Yeah, I played yeah. a little street. I played a little street, but uh, but I know. Like, did you play NFL Street though? No, I've never. I know about. It. I've not played NFL Street, or there was a there was a soccer street also, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. There was a soccer street where they're like, yeah, like kicking soccer balls around an alley. No, I did not play NFL Street or the soccer one, but I did play NBA Street. I want to say the first three. If there was a fourth, I might have played that too. Street was good. It was. It was. But it was like, but it's also sort of bullshit. Like, like I understand how like like NBA Live is like people would could see that as a more legitimate win than like beating them in street. But street was fun. No street was my, now. My brother and I we had some epic showdowns in street. Yeah, like, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It got, it got serious. No, I'm gonna tell you what used to get serious with me. I used to kick people out the house with Mario Kart. You get kicked out the house, you do some bullshit on my Oh, to this day, people. You're going to tell me that you're going to jump on one side of the Rainbow Road and, like, take everybody out? If nah, you nah, can nah, do it. If you can, it's not fight. easy. It's not easy. Yo, listen, this is, that's, that's, that's a gift. That's a gift, all right? Like, yeah. it's not. Yeah, if it didn't let you do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, like, beating them on, like, on, like, the, on, like, the, the, the haunted mansion, like, the ghost, the ghost house shit. <laughs> like, you could, yeah. like, kill, like, half of that fucking track, like, if you do yep. the right jump. But if you fuck it up, you're, like, you're definitely gonna lose, so I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it up to the ones that take that risk. Like big risk, big reward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I hear you. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden, become the game cast. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> my fault. My fault, guys. My fault. No, no, no. So, um, going back to um, this Kickstarter, what? Is there anything that you see happening next after this? What is the next series can we anticipate coming out? Um, in general or in terms of Exmoor? In terms of Exmoor Reborn. Um, well, as I mentioned before, he had a lot of he had a lot of books. And he and some of them some of them they're like what I call singletons. Like so you mm. had the first you have the first one, but you may not have a second or he was working on the second. And I may do an anthology oh, of all of his okay. number ones. Of oh, all that would of be dope. Kind of like a jumping on point for everything. That sounds yeah. Nice. So it'll, so it'll touch on his whole whole universe and you know get ready people ready for um, the next set of books that are going to come out from those those different series. So that one, I'm really I'm really, I'm looking forward to that one too. Because everyone will get to see just like the whole, the whole, I guess, the rainbow, the rainbow of Exmoor Studios. It's all the different work that he was working on that, you know, because Galto is, is definitely action. It's a little bit of sci-fi. But then he has some other books that are straight up superhero. Um, he has some like horror, some mystery. So got some fun stuff coming. Do you think, do you think like that there's anything to be said about? about specific genres and how genres sell on like the indie circuit. Like, do you, do you personally think that like super, the superhero genre sells better on an indie format than something more exploratory? I don't know. It really, it really depends. Um, I don't, I don't underestimate like my audience. I, you know, I, they, they like what they like. And I find that at least when it comes to people, folks who buy indie, if it looks good, they generally buy, will buy it. 
um, they may be uh, like superhero buyers in general, like when it comes to like the big two and so forth. But they're also interested in what else is out there. So, I mean, for me, definitely when I buy when I buy books, I'm kind of indiscriminate. It's like what what looks good, what feels good, what seems interesting. I mean, I know that I'm a sci-fi head. I love like space. I like robots and aliens. So that's typically what I'll move towards. But I also like assassins, so I'll move towards that. Um, but it just se- it seems like people are broadening horizons when it comes to indie comics and comics in general. So that's a really good thing. Do you think indies are genre agnostic? Hmm. I think so. Yeah. I do. I do. Like I said, at least in my in my experience, when you're doing these um, different shows um, and you see what people are carrying in their hands, because I always look. I'm like, what did you buy? What did you buy? What are you getting? <laughs> Like a, it's like a mixture. Like you'll see, like you'll see children's books next to R-rated books, you know, or X-rated books. You're like, what in the world? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they. Like I said, I feel like they're pretty indiscriminate. It's just like it's like whatever. It's like whatever. This seems like this looks good. This is interesting. I mean, they're they're the audience is way more open than folks who are just like, I'm just going to get, you know, this superhero book is the end all be all. Blah 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 blah. blah. Right. You know. Right. I feel like, isn't that like this weird sort of gambit? Like, because I sometimes feel like with indies, there is this, you know, there's always a push and pull. There's always like this, like, this, like, push of like, we need to make something that has like a specific wide appeal. And there's like push like, no, we need to do the actual opposite of that because that's why the fuck people are coming to us because they have access to the wide appeal stuff. Like it's available. They can go get it. Like, let's give them something different. Let's give them like a sort of twist on that or something unexpected. And I mean, to put it plainly, like I obviously like do, I will go for, I'll go for genre work, big or small, but I am always more intrigued by an indie book that feels like something that is sort of rarefied that is a different uh you know approach or zone or 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 genre niche than like you're going to typically get with with marvel or with like or with big two books um so i i can it's not like i don't like indie superhero books but at the same time i'm always like my ears immediately perk up when there's an indie book that isn't a, a isn't a superhero thing that's me personally i don't know what what do y'all on the show think what do you what, what's your what's your look at that do you, are you really totally like you don't care like it's like it doesn't matter i'm just interested in the quality or whatever but like, or do you have a sort of thing where you're like oh it's not a superhero cool or it is a superhero cool oh uh, it really depends. Um, I, I used to think I was more of the superhero type, mm-hmm. uh, but I think it really, at this point, as I've gotten older, it just depends on the quality of the story. You know, I mean, yeah. that's hard to judge. Yeah, you know, how the like, fuck do you know that when you're at a booth? <laughs> but a lot of times, the people you're talking to can usually, you can usually get a sense of what the book is about by if their they're good self-promoters. Yeah. I Some mean, great writers aren't. It's a toss-up. It, it is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I wouldn't necessarily buy it because, oh, it's a superhero, a new version of, of superheroes. It could be a zombie book. It could be anything. It doesn't it – really, it really just depends. Okay. Um, I'm kind of tired of Yeah, I mean, books. I think – I know for myself, I grew up, you know, on mostly superheroes like a lot of people in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s did. But I um, – even back then, like, there was there – was, like, 
I'd have little weird indie books here and there. Um, but yeah, as an adult, I am into a lot. I would say superheroes definitely don't even make up 50% of like what I read when I have time to read. Right. I feel like as an indie and this is like, and I, I don't mean this to be like some kind of like, like blanket advice to, to any, to any indie creators listening to this. But I feel like if I'm going to pick up an indie, you'll have a better shot with me if it's not a superhero book personally. Hmm. I can see that for me. I think it just depends on, you know, cause I think, I think indies are forced in a lot of ways to yep. take different perspectives on superheroes. If you, if you could deal with them, you know what I mean? Like, mm. um, oh. well, you're not do, you, do you think that, do you really think that? I, mm. Regine, you I have thoughts. You have honestly, big thoughts. Honestly, I just, no, honestly, I just feel like if, if, if you enjoy something, that's just get, just get that. Yeah. You know, sure. if yeah. you're a writer and you're, your whatever you're writing, whatever your your book is, whatever the book is, is in your heart. Write that book, whether it's a superhero, what have you, and you let your audience decide. Um, you know, I have a, I have a few books, and the most popular book currently is Eating Vampires. Like people ask me about that book all the time, mm-hmm. and meanwhile, for it's my it's my baby. I love it. It's also my youngest baby. The Rippers has been with me way longer. So for me as an author, it's like, okay, like my heart is split in like five different ways, but let's but like three quarters of it belongs to the Rippers, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, but if my audience is clamoring for this book, this other book, well, that's mm-hmm. the book that I'm going to, you know, go with, you know, it, I may put the Rippers on the back burner for a little bit, but still work on it. But I'm like, no, this is what the audience wants. So I think you should as a writer, as a creator, you should go with with your spirit. Write, write what you love, write what you enjoy. And if your audience likes a particular genre that you're writing as opposed to another, I mean go go with that, but still but still write the other book. As a consumer, I, I, I if I if I if I see it and I like it or I'm curious, I just buy it, no matter what genre it is. I think that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying. It's it's true. I just, I I find myself just being very picky the older I get. So it's also, it really just depends. I think that, you know, enthusiasm, obviously, from the the author, but also just the, the story itself. You know, if it's new and I'm like, you know what, I think I would read that, you know. Yeah, same, same with point, me. Yeah, because at this point, I mean, yes, we can rethink superheroes all day. Uh, but it's like, okay, let's go somewhere else. Yeah, but or at least do something different. Yeah. Do something different that, with it. That, yeah, but that's the discussion that I think has come up, you know, countless times on the show is that, you know, comics are, uh, you know, are medium, you know, and that there's there's so many stories you could tell. So, I mean... Yeah, like there, there's uh, there's there, there's sport comics like you know Sean Pryor's done um, you know Force and then you've got like there, there's just so many different ty- types of stories you can tell and yeah like I, mean, I will you're give you some... all the money in my wallet if you can name another sports comic right now. <laughs> oh, I, I can't, but Sean. Talk, well, I, uh, David Walker does have a, a wrestling comic. Um, but that being said, that being said, my point is that there's you know is a lot of ground being covered. You know, 
And I mean, I think to be quite honest, like, and this sort of connects to the discussion we were having with Joel last week, but there's so much going on. Um, I'm not even going to go into a big two bashing thing because um, I read some of that stuff, but like, it, it drives me crazy all the remixing of the characters that, you know, they know sell. And right, right. it coming, I mean, like, I feel like each character only needs one book, you know, and, and it's like, and meanwhile, they've, they've, they've killed great books for fresh and new characters. So I, I think that's one thing I like about the indie world is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to hit the same number threshold right. in order for a series to survive. Well, the, uh, I, mean, I have problems with you, what you, you just said. Do, I have problems yeah. with what you just said, yeah. Because it's yeah. like, you, you. I mean, you should so that the creator can survive, so that they can Absolutely. keep making shit. Absolutely. Like I mean, You know, but that's not what I meant, though. But yeah, Right, like, you're not beholden to those same forces. So right. you sort of have, like, you know, you, 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 you have free reign, or you have different reign, or differently aligned reign in a certain, in a certain respect, but... I don't know, like, it's not, like, I'm not trying to imply that, like, I have, like, a specific issue with genre. Like, for me, like, I mean, one of my genres, like, and for, has forever been my genre since I was a kid, is, like, crime and noir. Like, so if you're an indie creator and you have a crime-slash-noir comic, uh, either or, really, um, there's a greater chance that you're going to be able to sell me on it more easily than you will if it's, like, no, I have a superhero comic, but it's for, but it's actually a good one. It's a for real good one. Like, that's gonna, that's gonna automatically be a harder sell for me, person, me, myself, personally, because I just feel like I've been so, you know, uh, just, like, disaffected by a lot of the superhero work I see, not indie-specific, like, just across the fucking, you know, span. Um, so they went out on me with like something like that that may not really necessarily sell for like another person. So I think that's sort of what you were getting at, Regine, is that like, you know, like create the stuff that's like responsive to your audience. And then like it's a back and forth and you sort of nurture back and forth. Oh, this audience likes this and they like how I do this and I'm making more of this. And now the audience is there and they're telling their friends and they're coming back for more um, yada, yada. Uh, but I don't know. Like it is, I do think like it's, it's, I think it's specifically interesting that in the Kickstarter that we're talking about today, um, this is not a superhero Kickstarter. No. And there's a no. lot of those. There's a whole lot of superhero comics on Kickstarter. Um, I feel like there are a couple other genres that sort of thrive, but I feel like even for indies, it's sort of like, it's like fantasy comics, generally speaking. I feel like it's fantasy, uh, uh, you know, like 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 the coming of age stories and superheroes. Those are like the three. I mean, are you including like web comics in that when you say indies or? I'm or... No, well, no. I'm right now talking about Kickstarters specifically. Oh, Kickstarter. Kickstarters. Right. Yeah, like I feel like those three genres are very much represented. Um, coming of age slash romance comics, uh, fantasy comics, and superheroes. Um, and I feel like Galto sort of. Uh, is looking for a different niche, not necessarily like a crazy, not a niche that's like totally unheard of or something like super, you know, uh, like on the fringes at all, but just not one of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and so I like, I, like, I, 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 I wonder about that. And I feel like it sort of has a greater specialization in that respect and that it's like offering a type of story experience that is uh, different than, than the ones that may be more frequent and common. You know. 
Good point. Well, I definitely think so. Yeah. <laughs> As a person running the Kickstarter. Yeah, I mean, yeah no, impartial, that. impartial. I get it, I get it, I get it. <laughs> but no, seriously, no, seriously, though. Um, I think it is important in general just to have something different for audiences to sink their teeth into. Mm-hmm. Because we should be about variety. We should be about diversity. Even that, you know, that word is sort of, you know, thrown all over the place. But there should be something for everybody and not just this one one big thing that everyone seems to go to. But at the same time, that's what people that's what people know. That's what people know. Um, so it's definitely something to think about as both a, a creator and a and a collector. I specifically remember a conversation I was having with Regine once because I was super excited because I had discovered Mark Wade's Archie. And I really, really, really love Mark Waid's Archie arc, like, so much. I don't like any other Archie thing that came out around that time that Archie was blowing up as much. I like some of the other ones, but not as much as what Mark Waid and uh, uh, Fiona Staples did with Archie. I thought that was just, like, a magical combination. Um, and I remember I was, I was having a conversation with Regine about it, and Regine was super happy that I found a comic that I was that excited about. She was purely happy about that. Like, she was just like, I'm so happy that, like, you are this invested in, like, a specific thing that you're reading because it can be rare. It can be, like, a, a, a very occasional thing. And when it, when it happens, it happens big. Um, so I just, I, I, I proffer that as just supportive evidence to what you're saying because I know that that's, that's how you approach this medium 100%. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. You know, I love comics. I've always loved comics, you know, since I was a little girl. And so having good work and having good stories is is very important to me as as a writer and creator, you know, as someone that that always work strives towards having having good solid product. And so for me, like this particular Kickstarter, like I didn't jump into it lightly. And um, last year I was in the creator in residence program at Kickstarter and, you know, learned, learned a lot of, a lot of different things and, you know, nothing, you know, nothing is ever guaranteed, but at least you're informed and you have the information. So when I decided to do this, I was like, look, if I'm going to do this, let me, you know, let, let's do the Exmoor reborn um, project. Let's do Galto first and just, and just take it from there. Um, because it is a good book, it is solid work, and anything that comes from him, anything that comes from me, damn it, it's gonna be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be good. People are gonna enjoy it. People are gonna, people are gonna like it, you know. And if you find something else that that my company has that suits your fancy even better, I mean, that's wonderful, you know. But writing and creating, uh, making good books, is the most important thing. Actually, while we're on the subject, I mean, you want to talk, you know, speak a little bit about your books. You mentioned uh, Eating Vampires um, before, but yeah, like, you know, let's talk a little bit about what you've made. The Regineverse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the, the Regineverse? What do you want to say? Regineverse. Um, well, my first series is The Rippers, and I created The Rippers um, um, when I think I was 16 years old. And I created it because, A, number one, I was a huge Metroid fan. Mm. And I was fascinated with the fact that when Samus Aran would lose, her clothes would fall off and you'd realize she was a girl. Um, 
And I just thought that was the most amazing thing ever. And I, I, I was, I was drawing at the time, like I was drawing characters. I was always like creating stories and such. And I was sort of playing with this concept. And then one day I, I was at a, I was in a library and this was before libraries would actually like go through like their graphic novel section, or if they had a graphic novel section at all, they would mm-hmm. check to see the content of the work before they put it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So I came across this manga that was very violent towards women. I mean, it was awful. It was all, it was absolutely oh, yeah. we, awful. We, we, we talked like, about this. Yeah. Like it's absolutely awful. And, and I just said like, there has to be something more than this. Like, I mean, I was a comic book collector in general, but just to see something like that, like, there has to be something, something more than this. This is terrible. So from there, I said, let me, I want to create something that my, my, my friends would like and that I like as well. And that's sort of how I started fleshing out the Rippers even more. And then about 10 years later was when I, I published the first book. So the Rippers is about um, an intergalactic bounty hunter. Um, she's basically accused of killing her boss and she's not quite sure if she did it. So it's not exactly exactly amnesia, but she's just like, look, I had a memory lapse. I could have, I could have, like, maybe I did it. I could have, maybe I didn't. Who among um, us hasn't thought about it a few times? You know, like you know, she definitely. I mean, she definitely is put in a position where it's like, if if you didn't kill him, somebody was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody was gonna do it. Um, so that's that's the the short of a very long story. Um, so that's the first that's the first book, The Rippers. Um, Ice Witch is a spinoff of The Rippers universe. And she makes her debut in issue two of the Rippers and is throughout the series. She's throughout the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ice Witch is about an assassin. She gets married. She has a baby. And now the company is after her child. And the last uh, book is Eating Vampires, which I just mentioned. And Eating Vampires is about a young girl named Evelyn. She's the last of her people. And she's also the only cure for a vampire virus outbreak. Mm. Yeah, so those are my my three my three core books that make up the Lock and Down universe for right now. You know what is the last like big vampire property that happened? Twilight. That was a long time ago. Any any genre? Yeah, just overall, overall, speaking broadly. Yeah, I mean, I guess the re. I mean, Count Chocula. I mean, Count Chocula's been around though. Yeah, I mean he. I feel like, you know, his personality doesn't really stand out to me, though, you know. He had, he had a couple little catchphrases back in the day, but you know, he's... Who is he, really? Is that's, a, that's a really that's a really good question. Did you say Count Chocula? <laughs> he said Count Chocula, yes. Exactly. Yes. I want to talk about Castlevania, which, by the way, season three is out. Oh, there you Ooh. go. Okay, Castlevania, yeah, yeah, Castlevania might be like one of the most prominent right now, if not the most. Prominent. I, I have to catch up. I haven't seen yeah, it. I that. Yeah, I, I haven't actually, seen it at all. I, have, I need to, oh, I need you to have catch up. I haven't seen it. I haven't, oh, you seen, haven't seen Yeah, any of it. So I have. Well, oh, I recommend it definitely. Yeah. Tone, have you watched it? I'm shaking my head at all of y'all. Um, season <laughs> three just came out. Yes, it came so out Thursday. That, but I saw, it came out yesterday. But I've, I've seen one and two. I have. I have not finished two, but I've seen one. It's great. Ooh. It's really good. Fantastic. It is. You know what? You want to know something, though? You want to know something, though? Like, real talk? Real talk? Can we real talk about Castlevania for a little bit? Yeah, let's go. Absolutely. Uh, it's a, this is not a thing. This is not, like, a basis for me to hate the show. I do not hate the show. I really like it. I think Warren Ellis' 
uh, uh, like like script and treatment of the script like translates really well to television in a way that I don't think all Ellis things do. I think he does a really good job with it. It's very Warren Ellis and good. Um, I also think that like some of the animation is kind of shit, and like mm. it, they'll have the good animation for the for like the big the big dick scenes. But then, mm-hmm. like, a bunch of other stuff, like, I'll be like, you guys are literally, like, flapping the same frames of a character's teeth to show them talking. And there's all these cut corners in it because it is a largely American-produced, quote-unquote, big fat quotes, anime. Now, did you see that in the first season or the second season? The first season. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, which again is not, I don't think a reason to shame the show. I don't think that's like that shows, shows deal with that shit. Tony, did your cat kill you? Are no, you that wasn't me. Okay. That was you just getting frustrated. <laughs> no, 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 just like I'm the kind of person that can deal with like kind of funky art in a book that's written very well. I can deal with like funky animation and thing that's like, you know, whatever. But, um, but that, that did sort of surprise me. A little bit. I think the animation for that show, by and large, could be better, be- like like cover to cover. But it is good at times. Like they'll have like a fight scene, and it's like, okay, you guys took all your production money and put it into this scene to make it slick, and it looks good. But then other ones are like, I like I char- like I mean stuff like characters covering their mouth to talk so they don't have to animate the like t- mouth moving shit like that. Like I see that. I, I see you just like I see you when you don't back enough Kickstarters and you make your own. I see everything. I see all. I see all is my point. <laughs> But that's no reason to not watch the show, and I need to catch up on it. Like, that's that's on me. I really do need to catch up on it, because it's good. <laughs> Leo is shady. <laughs> exactly know exactly where he was going, but yeah. <laughs> there it is. But that, that, was that whole Castlevania intro just a... Uh... Like like a, a runway to, to get yeah. that out. I don't yeah, I, I don't know so. if Tone planned on that, but but <laughs> by the way, like so okay, so I like if we're talking about like movies and, st- and TV and stuff. Um, so I recently uh, I'm literally on the last episode, like so I'm almost done with it, and it is spectacularly good. It is as good as everyone says it is, and it is a little show on Amazon Prime called Fleabag. Has anybody here seen Fleabag? Fleabag, I've heard yeah, of that's it. That's on my to watch list. <sighs> okay, it is extreme like. It's exquisite in, in, in almost every way. It is really, really something else. It is extremely f- like, like female-minded. It's, it's a woman show, and like I learned from it, and I respect and appreciate it, and I also think it's profound and moving and hilarious. It's also a show where the only two black characters in the show, one of them is like a champion of sex, like and he's a and he's kind of like a cartoon, like he's a cartoonish champion of sex, and then the other one is like an irritating church lady, and that are the only two black people in the entire show. It's twelve episodes. Those are the two black folk in it, one man, one, one woman, and I feel I feel a certain way about it, um, and it's very frustrating to me because I I cannot like overemphasize how good that show is. It is extremely good, and I struggle with that particular detail now that I'm almost done with it. I know, unless there's like some incredible yeah, think, black character in the last 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think that's a... Oh, go ahead, Regina, I'm sorry. I was going to say that that like it's a reminder that everything is problematic. Right. right. Yep. In one way, shape, or another. That's all yeah. I was going to say. 
Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, because um, I think I spoke to, to you, Leo, off mic about this but uh, recently. But, um, you know, after loving, um, you know, Watchmen, the, the series, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let me dust off. It's been a minute since I dusted off the, the original, the, right. the, the comics, the 12-issue series. And it holds up in so many ways, but definitely, and it's, it's so. Oh, that's right. We were know, talking about in, the newsstand. Right. The newsstand. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so interesting that like the, uh, you know, the, the HBO series w- did so well in so many ways mm-hmm. with dealing with race. And, and honestly, like the entire series is framed around race and uh you know intergenerational trauma i would say i would say as far as race is concerned that show is fearless it is it absolutely is yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it's just you know though the i would say maybe one flaw one of two flaws but like that the original series had and it's it's great but it, it still holds up in my mind in so many other ways but um man like it's it's really got two black characters when it comes down to it yep. you know one of whom is largely silent you know he's the kid who's reading yep. um you know I, I guess at least i had him reading whatever but but um when he does speak it's like the worst imitation of a <laughs> british guy's impression of black exploitation yeah yeah it's it's bad there's a lot of jive turkeys in there and and other stuff and like wait yes question question can we spoil watch are we allowed to spoil watchmen on the show watchmen the show or watchmen the book watchmen the show if you haven't seen it by now i don't know i mean look here's a spoiler (laughs) warning if you hear this maybe skip ahead uh skip ahead like like a minute because I, because like very briefly, I do want to mention. I'd say, so I'd say two okay. minutes because you never know. Uh, I'm spoiler, be... <laughs> spoiler warning in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 1. Yeah, yeah, this is a spoiler warning for the Watchmen show. So, one of the things in Watchmen that like I goddamn adored was the fact that Hooded Justice is a black man. Mm-hmm. Of of is course. that, is that retrofitting to the original series? Is there anything in the series that contradicts that? Oh, that's one of the things no I was shit. looking out for. Okay. I don't it, think so. No, it I don't doesn't. Think... The only thing which is interesting um, that, because I was specifically like like looking. That's at, what like I, that. if I was reading it now, that would be like, wait, yeah. is, is that like, the, yeah, okay. So the the only thing, and it, it, it works, and I, I, I can tell, I think, in writing this series that they took this into consideration. The only line in the book that would kind of seem to go in a different direction is in Hollis Mason's, uh, his memoir, his tell-all. Like, mm-hmm. he mentions at one point when he's talking about how messed up the politics of some of the um, the Minutemen were, he says that, like, Hooded Justice had basically some kind of, like, messed up, or, 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 or that he, he thought he had heard something at one time about Hooded Justice like praising Nazis or something like that, but it was he. He was even saying it in a way that was kind of indefinite. Like, like he wasn't certain as to the veracity of it. And then also, um, really, yeah. But it was it was like a line. And then also, it's like it's like in his book. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, um, it's not presented as like this is definitive. Right. And, and he very much in it's the in take. the next, yeah. And in the next breath, he's also talking about how. They know next to nothing about Hooded Justice. Do you ever see Hooded Justice skin when he's when there no. isn't there a flashback when no. he's 
when he's uh when he's in a sexual engagement? No. You never, no, you no, no. See his skin? They, no, they never. they reference uh that they reference him and who's the the Captain America dude? Um, oh, I forgot his name. The, he was on the show as well, but like they referenced that relationship. Which one? Like, Dollar Bill? Was that his name? Not Dollar Bill. Oh. <laughs> who are you talking about? Who's the Captain Dollar America Bill? guy? The guy. The guy. I know who. You, I know who you're talking about, Marcus. Yeah, the guy. I on forget the show, his name. The guy in the show who came to uh, recruit him, basically. His his lover. Yeah. And anyway, like oh. you don't. You don't uh-huh. Yeah. And even even his eyes in the book, he has like more of the um, the Batman eyes where you don't really see right the skin around That's his. That's very interesting. I wonder if any of this was thought about in terms of the HBO thing, or they just didn't care, or they were like, no, well, no. They, we I, I've heard interviews with um with with Lindelof where he was talking about the team, and they they like kind of tirelessly really check and double check stuff to make sure it would work. Oh, um, interesting. Wow, it's a really good thing that they fucking canceled that show, right? That's really smart that they take these people who like invest that much time and attention into a property that they're revitalizing for the modern era and then and then cancel it. It's good. Well, weren't they? But I don't think that was the yeah. plan. I think the plan was always to be a limited series. Yeah, yeah. I thought. Wait, I thought that I read some shit that like Watchmen. Yeah, that they got. They no, got, no. He wanted. He 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 said that he. Um, did well. Lindelof said that he did not see it going past, and he wasn't necessarily against if someone else wanted to pick up the ball for HBO. But he had always intended for it to be one to season. He was only going to do one season. That was it. Yeah, because he said that he felt the story that he wanted to tell was like, done, and he it. was going to end it with that egg that egg carton bullshit. All right, I'm yes. starting. Yeah, I'm starting to. I'm starting to reassess it. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> So what, we t- we talking about Captain Metropolis? Captain yes. Metropolis. Oh my yeah, god. Yes. 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 Okay. All right. I do see yeah. a dollar. I do see Dollar Bill. No, Dollar Bill is the dude who died. He yeah. died uh, in the. He was a character. I'm not making up character names. Like he's a character. He's a character. I just couldn't remember who 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 adjusted. It's been many years since I've read it, but I've read it many times, but I could not remember who he was in a tryst with. Yeah. Huh. But, but but going back to what I was talking about the. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that for me is is an example of you know a kind of beloved work that has, you know, a, a, a glaring issue. Like that's not a small issue to have your, and then the other the other black character in the series is um, Rorschach's uh, Rorschach's uh, his doctor, who yes. like yes yeah like yes. You know, I mean it's it's interesting, but definitely that's a character where I I feel like. He's written to be raceless. That's not a judgment on him and his blackness, but it's ah. like it's more like the lens that the story looks at him through. Um, That's you know, interesting. You don't think that you don't think that his sort of that, like he has a sort of station. He has a sort of interesting station for a person of color within the world that Watchmen projects. That like sort of adds 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 something, adds some texture or some. Or something unusual rather than a stereotype to his characterization. Well, no, and I think that's good. Yeah, like no, totally. And and um and that's not bad. I think there's there's like one line uh, later on where he's he's like walking on the street and he runs into like a homeless dude, black dude. Yeah. And, and that character is presented a stereotype, and also Alan Moore, you know, I would say needlessly. <laughs> 
uh, injects the the N word in a way that doesn't really serve the story. But right. I feel like in that interaction, like he's being um, what's the word? What's the word? He's he's kind of being introduced, or the the doctor character in that his interaction with that dude is presenting him as somebody that kind of can't relate or see eye to eye with other black people. Right. Like, no, I, I think I, that's I'm, how I know. That's how I remember it, how you just described it. I did remember a little yeah. bit that, that he seems a little bit of a, of like an outlier. Yeah. Right. In some way. Yeah. yeah. That's how I recall the character too. Which is whatever. Like if you have like, right, uh, right. if you have multiple black characters in your story then it kind of doesn't matter, but it's the thing we talk about where like, if you've only got one or one and a half characters, then, you know, then it's, it's a little more glaring when, right. you know, some of these things happen. Right. It's glaring to us. And it's just interesting in, in, in remembering reading the the Watchmen is, you know, for me, there's no, there's nobody in the book that looks like me or I, I can really relate to, because there's like virtually no Latino mm. characters either. Yeah. No. So, and I've gotten to a point, particularly when growing up, is I've gotten so used to not seeing it that it's hard to point it out. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's just sure. like, well, okay, yes, I do remember this character. And, and yes, maybe if I read it, I can sort of identify what we're talking about. But sometimes it's just like, I've just been so used to this. You know, I've been so used to having the one black character. You know what I mean? I'm so used to having the, the one maybe, you know, Asian or Latino character, depending on how they feel. You know, and and that depiction being so messed up that you kind of just glance, glance over it. You know, yeah, right. Um, I don't right. know if that makes sense, but that's just the no, way it is. It makes a well, lot. I of think things. we've been. I think we, but I think we've sort of been trained to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. considering considering history, considering the other works that come out. I mean, we're used to just seeing one or two. We're used to seeing, you know, yeah. just a bunch of like, you know, cis heterosexual white men and just like one woman, mm-hmm. one white mm-hmm. woman and mm-hmm. one black male character possibly and that's our diversity and it just becomes the norm after a while so when you see a couple of others like oh boy what's this <laughs> you yeah, know exactly. i think it's even even as our world our you know world our world is changing to a certain extent especially when it comes to comic books and comic book content and movies and so forth i mean we we still we still say oh my god there's more than one yeah because we've spent so many decades and you know and centuries really when you think about it just just seeing that if that you know what i mean right absolutely and and i think for me i have trouble now reading a lot of the big two stuff because it's like a lot of the things that i see doesn't make sense to me so I'll, i'll use cyborg as an example um cyborg to me is probably one of the most powerful characters dc has he has he can view the internet control information how hey, hey I can view the internet. Right. What I'm saying is, but how do you reconcile the fact that even though he's questioning his humanity, he is seeing on the internet all the time the way black people are treated and, oh, but, you know, we got to go stop dark life. Like, how do you, mm. how do you reconcile that? And I, and I don't think that there's a writer there that can do that. You know, I know that in the real world, if I was cyborg, I'd be like, I got this power. I'm gonna I do think something. they had a writer writing it that could do that in David Walker, but and like, David you know, Walker, right? And how long did that last? Exactly five yeah. issues. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, that's, 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 a, whole, I mean, that's, that's a, the whole sales threshold thing. Yeah. But it's also a greater conversation um, in terms of what you know publishers will allow you 
to yep. do if they allow you to use your voice in your right. experience. Yeah. Because yeah. for us, it would be natural. I mean, that'd be one of our first things, like, wait. <laughs> like, I'm seeing all this craziness. Like, I'm seeing all these black and brown bodies getting hurt. Like, what are we doing right now? Right. You know, like, you know, we're walking through the Hall of Justice about to blow it up. Like, it's like, you know, like, what are we doing really yeah. here? Yeah, are we really making a making a difference? Are we just, you know, blowing smoke up our own asses? Um, Which was definitely, uh, you know, I think referenced in Watchmen. Yes. In, in Will's dissatisfaction with what, what they were and weren't doing. Right, yeah. right. Have any other all- black writers done Cyborg? I know George Perez, obviously. I think I feel like, if I'm not mistaken, I feel like whoever I'd have to look it up. I thought I had the impression that like they had another black writer after David doing. I think they they did. They did. I forget his name. They did. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. But 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 prior to that, no. Probably not. (laughs) No, but I mean that's a that's an interesting point though, right? Like. Because there's all the things that we bring to the table just as as black and brown people operating in this country. And I think all the time we're used to compartmentalizing because there's 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 stuff that's a concern to you as a black person that everyone that isn't for everyone else. And and, um, if you had all these these powers and, you know, great responsibility and everything, you know, your priorities are the things you felt compelled to do might greatly differ. No, right. from Absolutely. Captain America. Absolutely. I mean, I, again, I, I applaud Bendis. I applaud Bendis for creating Miles Morales, but it's also like you—you you have there is no real sense of soul in his character in the way Bendis is writing it. I'm not going to talk about uh, the writer I wrote that, it. Yeah, the writer that currently writes for um, for him. But it's always—I've always had that issue. It's just like, okay, so you're telling me that you believe he would st- sit there and take the mantle. The same problems that Peter had as Spider-Man. I don't. I just don't see that. You know, as as a young black Dominican or Puerto Rican kid, I just don't see that. You know. Yeah, and that, that's but, where I think the film. Uh, film did a know, great job. Did a oh, great job with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I and think I think I, I, oh, go ahead. Leo. I was just gonna say that I still think that like Bendis trying to write like any conversation that Miles had with. Uh, with the family was just like embarrassing. <laughs> Terrible. It was fucking embarrassing. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Don't even do it. Don't. Yeah. Do it. Just skip it. If you're going to do that, just don't do it. Just, right. Right. Just don't do it. But it's like, you know, Leo and I, I mean, I think previously in the in the, in the the early, early episodes of Black Comics, I had briefly introduced the speaking in tongue, tongue segment, which was basically just where it celebrated, you know, white writers who were legitimately good right. like had really stumbled in writing uh you know characters outside of their own identity and um you know i think it's a it's a it's, it's definitely a problem it's a problem that that extends um <laughs> i can't remember what the um i love i love brubaker but I, there was a there there was one segment in uh i think it was in sleeper that was it was it was sleeper particularly we've talked egregious. about it multiple times it was sm- yeah, yeah. <laughs> smoke that rock like cock Oh, that, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's exactly as bad as it sounds. It's, it, it's, it's fucking terrible. It's so, it's so bad. <laughs> That's exactly the reaction that one should have, yes. That's exactly the reaction. It's supposed to be a family show. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> we, we try to be. 
I mean, I mean, I mean, just in all in all honesty and 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 to be candid, I mean, it's just to me, it's just really lazy in terms of just mm-hmm. wanting just do some research, just talk to folks. Hey, yeah, talk I mean, to we people. Right. we I mean, we we have we I mean, we have. Um, I guess I don't want to say the benefit, but we we have been forced to be put ourselves in the position of the other because of um, the lack of representation. So we've always seen things through like we've been able to see things through a white lens as well as our own. So if we were to write certain books with white characters, per se, like we could do it. And probably not skip a beat, you know, because we've been inundated with it. But if you haven't been forced, because we were were forced as part of colonization and all that, you know, we were forced to look through this lens. They have not been. So they just figure like, oh, I can write this. He's a kid. He just has brown skin. Mm. You know, yeah. it's like he's just dipped in chocolate. That's it. Like that's that's sort of like the chocolate the flavored process. superheroes. Like yeah, like he has, like you know, his family has an accent or whatever. Like you know, I'll throw a couple of Spanish words to here, there, or whatever. And that's not even just in regards to Miles Morales. It's towards other characters too. I mean, they just figure that they can sprinkle, sprinkle some, 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 some diversity or representation oh, in enough for us. You know, as a as a as an audience, but now now that we're sort of like been knocking on the doors and sort of like like screaming and protest over the past few years, I mean, I, I would like to think that we've helped to change that, but there's still like so much more to do because that's still happening, and it's just it's just it's not okay. It's not okay at all in any way, shape, or form. Absolutely not. There's nothing worse than, than than reading the Detroit Justice League and seeing Vibe for the first time, and you're like, "What <laughs> in the fuck?" <laughs> Holy cow! And his what origin story too. We talk, did we speak? Well, like, what was Vibe's origin story again? It was Superman stuff. It was just some kid dance, break dancing. <laughs> yeah, with, like, oh, come on, Tony. You know, in the '80s. That's all oh we God. did. That's all black and brown people did in the eighties. We break dance. Well, was he was so he like was he bitten by an, by a radioactive <laughs> breakdancer? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. it was a radioactive b boy. Okay. That's what happened. I don't know, but it's just I don't know about the one vibe. thing I will say is I'm kind of glad. Kind of glad that the Flash series kind of moved away from that, and now mm-hmm. we can see vibe as this person rather than the eighties Detroit vibe. Vibe yeah, I, feel like, I feel like uh, vibe from uh, the Flash. The actor he reminds me of somebody. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know who. Are you talking? Are you, are you, is, it, is, is anybody on air? Like <laughs> you talk, you talk, you talk about Cisco. You talk about you talking about. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't go to conventions. I seriously can't go to conventions. Leo's doppelganger. I think Leo was was Cisco. He's just trying to. Uh-huh. He's trying to hide the, hide those checks from everybody. Yeah, that's right. He just totally get you like a Star Lab shirt, <laughs> and just what happens? Just go in there cosplaying as the guy, as the actor who kind of looks like me. That's so fucked up. Like it, that's like that feels like predatory on my part to do that. That would be pretty predatory. <laughs> it would. So what what are some of our, our final thoughts on on life? Uh, final thoughts on life. Wash your life. I, I, mean, I can tell you right now. I mean, I can tell you right now. Like, life is too short for wasted moments. Mm. Mm. You know, 
Um, you know, it sounds cliche about making the most of it, but if you're here, do what you, you love to the best you can. I mean, you may not always be able to do that, but make time for it. Make time for people that you care about. Um, and just always, and just have your heart open towards that. It's life, again, life is too short for wasted moments, but life is also too short to be in fear. Hmm. So you might as well just live it as best as you can. That's, that's real. Um, yeah, wash your hands. That's what I'm going to say. Um, but I'm also going to say that, you know, as a creator, I think we need to really figure out what it is that not only we're going to create, but what are we going to support? You know, yeah. I, I think that there, there are too many creators that feel that because they created something, they deserve support. Versus those who've or who are always supporting others and creating, mm. you know what I mean. I think mm. that we need to stop being selfish. You know what I mean. <laughs> Support other people because it's hard out here. We all have dreams. We all have things that we want to do, and we need to support each other. I mean, that's that's the way I look at it. No, hundred um, percent. I think just to pick up from where Tony left off. Uh, in addition to washing your hands, also cough into the crook of your elbow as opposed to into your hand. People who cough into their palms are the absolute worst. Yo, and you don't even oh. take public transportation, Marcus. You don't know, like, no, no. I learned many years ago. I like, have, though. I have, and I, it's burned into my memory. Yeah. I, I don't do it in your fucking hands, people. Like, Jesus uh. Christ. And don't cough into your fist. That no. does nothing. Uh. No. No, no, that's just you're just that's just a shotgun blast. Yeah, you're literally right, spreading it farther. Yeah. No, it's in your elbow, just all in your elbow. I like I put that all on your yeah. elbow and then don't show me your fucking elbow. I don't want to see your elbow. Oh my god, that's so funny. Please, please do that. But, and on a, on a more well, that that is serious. But on another note, I would also say, also picking up from where Tony left off is that like, it's it's interesting because I know that. Um, you know, you, you have to really, one has to really believe in themselves, um, putting yourself out there and, and creating and everything. But there there is room for all of us. There is room for, um, you know, helping to lift up others. I think sometimes, you know, people feel like it's, it's, it's me or them, but, you know, you can do both. You know what I'm saying? So I think that it's important that we have one another's backs and, and to support quality support stuff that you legitimately um you know believe in but let's just just support you know yep like galto like this galto book absolutely yes, yes. And like for real all of the things that we talked we spoke about today about the 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 future of of galto and and all of the other books that robert put out um, all the work that Regine does, like, you know, these things, they need your support, you know? And one of the things you could do right now is to search for Galto on Kickstarter and, and just, you know, check out the tiers. There's a tier for everybody. You don't have to break the bank, but support and also spread the word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's do this. Let's, let, let, yo, let, we're, 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 I think about halfway through the campaign. Let's, let's fund this shit. It's not, it's not that far to go. They're just not asking for a hundred K. Let's do this. Right. Let's yep. do this. Yep. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This is what we do. 
Particularly for the queen. Yeah. Well, I definitely just want to just say that this is definitely a, a project of love. Um, you know, this is this is this is my friend. It's my brother, and it's you know, in a in a in a in in a small way, you know, this is how he lives on. You know, this is how his legacy mm-hmm. lives on, um, and it's carried by his daughter and his two grandchildren. Um, so this is this is this is like this is important. This is definitely important. Um, but even more so, it's a good damn book. <laughs> it's a yeah, good yeah, damn book. Yeah. And I'll never put my my name behind trash. Right. So. <laughs> right. You'll just you'll just be silent. You'll just like kind of scuff your feet on the floor and be like, Yeah, anyway. <laughs> right. What y'all about to get into? Yeah, <laughs> basically. Basically. Wow. All right. So I think closing remarks, uh, Regine, where can they find you? Uh, let us know where they can find uh, this Kickstarter. Oh, and uh, one, one thing to, in addition to that, along with that, uh, just briefly, if you could tell us what the, uh, the next thing we can expect from Wink or the next con as well. That's right. Oh, uh, sure. So you can find me on Twitter at Lock It Down. Um, I'm also over at the Women in Comics NY handle. Um, Facebook, Lock It Down Productions, Women in Comics, Collective International, um, Instagram, um, uh, Lock It Down, um, Lock It Underscore Down, um, also uh, Wink NYC, that's W-I-N-C-N-Y-C. Um, well, we have a lot of events coming out of Women in Comics this year. I mean, we always do. Um, unfortunately, ECC was postponed, but at the same time, I'm grateful. But we had a panel there. So whenever that show happens, we will have a, a panel uh, Women of Color in Comics, Race, Gender, and the Comic Book Medium. Um, Women in Comics Con is going to be taking place at the Mid Manhattan Library on 42nd Street here in New York City. It'll be in August, August 29th. Um, we also are doing another show. We're having another show. Um, we're going to be working with the Museum of Contemporary African Diaspora Arts, Makata for short. That'll be in the fall. We, we're going to have a two-month-long art show and a mini-con. So that'll be uh, Makata-con. That'll be later <laughs> in the year? That'll be past August? Huh? That'll be past August, later in the year? Yeah, that'll be November, November 7th. Okay. When we when we have the actual convention, but the art show will run from October 23rd through December 11th. Um, we also have another event. I'm sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit because now I'm remembering <laughs> the different events. Um, we have our annual drink, draw, and poll, um, and that's a fun get together that we have like right before the convention. It'll be on June 19th here in the city, and folks will get to draw. Um, pole fitness models, there'll be food, there'll be drinks, it'll be a great time. And um, there'll probably be some little events in between, but I'll, I'll, I'll post about that. But those are the major ones for now. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Uh, Tony, uh, where can people find you? Well, people can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Latinegro. Um, I also have a website, anthonyotero.com, where you could find my two novels, um, or at least the links to them, and the links to Puerto Rico Strong, uh, which 
is still going strong. <laughs> um, so all proceeds go to uh, Puerto Rico and people affected by Hurricane Maria and I think the earthquakes. But all in all, uh, take a take a look at it, buy it. It also won uh, a very famous award, two actually. But um, yeah, check that out. Um, I do want to say um, that we didn't get to talk about wrestling. <laughs> no, we didn't. Oh my oh, god! Did. Oh, that's right. So maybe next time okay. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it. And uh, yeah, that's that's it for me. Okay, Leo, uh, what's what's going on with you, and where can people find you? Um, people can find me at Leonardo EFF on Twitter, um, writing occasional previews and reviews and such at Screen Rant. I recently did a preview for the new Final Fantasy VII remake, which is fucking amazing. God, that game is so good. I'm very excited. That's like one of my most anticipated games of this year. Uh, Tifa is hot. Anyway, um, you can also check me out in the upcoming uh, Latinx sci-fi anthology comic series, Manana. And uh, I don't know if people are aware of this, but like it's very possible that tomorrow morning uh, Marcus and I are going to be live streaming the second episode of cops not oh, cops possible. not we're, we're cops doing. the reality show but cops the og uh animated series um which oh, we did what time is that happening marcus what time it's, is that happening i think i think we said 11 30 tony are you are you in i might be i might be i might be in i, I was just watching that and i was dying so i, I think right, i'm gonna have it. to join you all right 11 30 episode one part one yeah i did yeah, oh, yeah. oh then you're then you're ready to go PM or AM? AM. 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 This is Saturday, Saturday morning PSD. cartoons with the Black Comics Chat crew. Yes. So, so get your bowl of cereal ready. Yep. <laughs> get your oh, almond milk. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get your, get, your, get your lucky charms in. You can mix up your milk. cereals. You can make a cereal suicide if you want. Throw a bunch of different cereals in the bowl. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, just hang out with us. We're going to be streaming uh, some, you know, like... Like like some some cartoons with questionable copyrights, oh, <laughs> which, is why, which is why we can get away with it because <laughs> I don't I don't think Hasbro knows they own it, so we're just gonna stream it. <laughs> yeah, so it's eleven thirty EST tomorrow, Marcus. That's what we're landing yes, on. Yeah, all right, yeah. all right, but all right, that'll be us. That'll be us getting 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 up in the in the Twitch stream. So definitely tune in for that if you want to check that out. And we're gonna and that's gonna be for the, like the you know the Saturdays in the near future. So if you yeah. listen, if you download this episode and listen to it, come check out Marcus, I, and and any other special guests at 11:30 EST on Saturdays on Twitch.com/slash/BlackComicChat or Twitch.tv/slash/BlackComicChat. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, it, I got it right. You know, also, what I want to do this weekend, if I can, hopefully I can stream playing uh, some games. Uh So we'll see. Uh, Depends on how much time I have. Okay. Okay. Maybe some Apex Legends. Okay. Four. That's what's up. Nice. Yeah, we're trying to keep the, get the Twitch content happening. Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to pop off. Marcus, where can people find you? Aside from aside from tomorrow at eleven thirty a.m. on Twitch.tv. Right. Aside from aside my from my primary gig as a <laughs> commentator, um, <laughs> you can find me on uh, you know Twitter at Marcus Kwame, Instagram at Marcus underscore Kwame, and you can see all my artwork and everything at MarcusKwame.com. Find me at those places uh, and keep your eyes out for for new stuff soon. That's awesome. I can't wait to do a show just on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be dope. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, yo, 
just as we've said many times, and we will continue to say, um, support this Kickstarter. Yeah, um, we're not done also, yelling about it. We're gonna yell about it more. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Yeah. We got it. We got yeah. to. Um, yeah. I also want to give a give a shout out to the the, the homie uh, um, Robert K. Jeffrey. He he's got a new Kickstarter going. We'll oh, that's we'll right. be tweeting about that as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, Sean Pryor. You know, he's got the ignition going on. So there's a lot of there's a lot of people with a lot of good things happening to support but you know we're, we're gonna we're, we're gonna keep it on brand right now and say first and foremost back uh x more reborn then absolutely. go check out everything else yeah absolutely yeah we're gonna be out here checking pledges yo i'm <laughs> saying yo y'all think i ain't watching i'm watching i'm watching i'm yeah. always watching yep. forever <laughs> i sending people notes and dms <laughs> yo Right. But sincerely, though, like like really, people like it's 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 important and um, it's uh, it's quality and just support. All right, good night, right. everybody. I'll see y'all in the morning. See ya. Good night. Good night. Black comics. Black comics.